Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Ms. Cracker. She's a woman. What is up? Oh, you know, everything and nothing. I have got projects, but otherwise it's the deadly silence of Corona, you know? We have a lot to talk about. You got projects. You're being very modest. You're starting out very modest. You got a lot going on, girl. So, I know. You got you to gotta make life happen. I agree. We're going to get to all your projects. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been busier in COVID than, like, I don't know how. Like, do you think, like, how did you have time to live your life before? Because that's how I feel. I'm like, I don't know how I had time to live my life because I'm so busy now just with work. Yeah, you realize all the things that you didn't do, like now I cook and clean, and those are things that any human being should do. I just wasn't doing them. So now I'm like in the house, just uh, being a little homemaker. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now, where are you? Are you in New York or am I just making that up? I'm in New York. You are not making that up. New York City, 15 years uh, learn drag on the mean streets and subways of this city, and uh, that's what makes us New York girls so tough. Me too. I, I'm, I'm in Chelsea. I'm a Chelsea girl, and I was like, I'm not leaving. Like, a lot of people left, and I'm like, this is my home. I don't want to leave New York. Yeah, a lot of, and a lot of people left Chelsea because that used to be the neighborhood, and everyone moved up to Hell's Kitchen, but uh, I, I still am a Chelsea stan. I still go there for my gay figs. I love my Chelsea, you know? Like, yeah. so... But the city's a little quiet, right? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But it's kind of nice in a way. Except the other day when it was loud because uh, Biden won and everyone ran out in the streets to be like, woo, ding dong, the witch is dead, you know? New York was absolutely, it was a crazy weekend. Oh, it was nuts. Where are you from originally? I take it you're not from New York. I'm originally from Seattle. Um, And... I came here to do publishing and somehow I got sidetracked. Seattle's a cute city. It was, it is now it's, now it's the parking lot of Amazon, Boeing, Starbucks, and Microsoft. So now you grew up Lubavitch, right? Like you, you're from, your parents are Lubavitch. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a nice Jewish boy. So, you know, there you go. How, so how is that? Like, I mean, this is just my own lack of knowledge. Like how is that community with like, being gay, drag, all of the above. By the time all of that 
came to be in my life. My family had left the faith and become atheists. You know, we were no longer a part of that community. And I think part of the natural progression of things was that my uh, parents just really accepted me for who I am. And there was never that problem. They left that conservative world and grew and grew along with me. That's good. Not everyone has a story like that. Not everyone has a story like that. So when people are like, oh, do you not get along with your father because he is, you know, conservative and doesn't like who you are? I'm like, no, he goes to my shows. He's just an asshole. That's why I don't (laughs) like him. (laughs) Like he accepts me, he accepts me fully for who I am. I just uh, don't like spending time with him. That's, you know, so I get to have those kind of luxury problems um of like personal conflict and not the the bigger stuff i always was accepted right like other reasons why people may or may not get along with their parents having nothing to do exactly i just slam my door like you don't understand me um and that's just about as deep as it goes you know i love it so you so when did you move to new york you moved here you wanted to get like you you worked in publishing yeah i moved in here in 2006 Um, and I immediately got into publishing. I was an intern at a publishing house. And from there I became an editor and everything. Like I was in publishing for a solid 10 years before a drag grabbed me. Um, and I didn't really leave publishing and grant writing until 2015. Wow. Um, So I was doing, living two lives for a very long time. As, ma- as many of us do here in New York City. Oh, absolutely. Especially, especially if you are a cis queer man. If there's one thing that a cis queer man will refuse to do, it's hold down a day job by itself. Like he has to have something on the side that makes him feel like he's secretly fancy. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. I get it. Because just, you know, like New York is so expensive. So I think, right, like a lot of people come and have their day job and then have what they really want to do. And right, some people never get to like kind of mesh the two and like make money with what they really I'm like, love. I'm the opposite of most uh, performers. Like I'm a performer who just, I perform because this is my day job but what I really want to be is a barista that's what I've decided like after after this drag career I want to be a barista and I'm just trying to do drag long enough to break into the coffee industry <laughs> and do you want to be a barista at anywhere in particular like do you want to go right for the Starbucks or you want to stop somewhere along the way oh no I want to have my own shop I want to have my own shop and uh I just believe that that's where happiness will be because I, I think everyone Obviously, I'm joking, like, I love drag so much, but I think everyone has this fantasy of what they're going to do when they retire from their main job. And for me, for some reason, it's barista, because they always make people so happy. Um, And that's what I want to do with my drag anyway. So I was like, what if there's a a shortcut to making people happy where I don't have to put on makeup and stuff? I was going to say, you could open a drag coffee shop but then right? I mean, you would have to right the thought had occurred to me so yeah and now i have to give you like five percent for encouraging my idea but i yeah, will it's... even take four percent i'll like be happy at four percent 
I'll loop my agent in. We'll work on it. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's like uh, I don't even how know how we got off on this tangent. But yeah, that's like that's my secret fantasy. Just so people people know. How did you get into? So you know you were pop, working in publishing. How so? How did you start in drag? How did that come oh, about? Jesus. It was a complete accident. I was um, going home in the snow one night and I ran into this guy who was trying to carry a bookshelf all by himself. And I was like, let me be a good neighbor and help him. And we got up to his place with the bookshelf and he turned on the light and the entire apartment was full of wigs and dresses and I was like oh my god what's going on he's like well I'm a drag queen you should try it sometime I was like sure will you know like a gay maybe aka no um but we became friends and he sort of nagged me every weekend for six months to try it and I finally did he put me in full makeup I fell in love and I became uh, Miss Brianna Cracker, and he became Bob the Drag Queen. Wow. Yeah. And Bob is your drag mother, right? Yep. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. That is, <laughs> and this was like, yeah, that is bizarre. This was like, this would have been 2010. Wow. So we're celebrating a decade of whatever the hell that was. Well, so, okay, so since you were born, like, in the 80s, you know, do you remember, like, drag, like, before Drag Race? Like, do you, like, what was it like before Drag Race? Well, I did drag before Drag Race in a way, because Drag Race was around, but it wasn't the phenomenon that it is now, and some people watched it, but it wasn't a, uh, yeah, like I said, it wasn't a phenomenon. So, I remember drag was for weird poor misfits trying to get the money for a metro card which at the time was 75 dollars a month um and that's what drag was for i don't know what happened to drag since then it seems like it's for a lot of really gorgeous uh models um, with excellent makeup skills, which uh, I don't know if I fit in that category. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Has grown into this whole cultural phenomenon in a huge industry, and you got to be really good uh, to make an impression now. But yeah, I remember what it was like before. Um, and I remember seeing Nan Golden's portraits of drag queens from the 80s, like Misty and Jimmy Paulette and Taboo and... Um, just thinking like, ah, that's, that's weird. But in my heart going like, oh, I'm interested. Like, what is that? You know? Yeah. Like in a way, I think like what gay man, I mean, maybe there are some doesn't really want to see themselves in drag. Right. I, whenever I'm anywhere, I always look at my cashier if it's a dude and I wonder what would you look like in paint? And I... Actually, I forgot about this. Yeah. But I, I let's not restrict it to gay men. I had, um, I still have this friend uh, named Mark, and he was a uh, rapper, and he was a straight dude, and uh, probably still is. And uh, he was like, you know what? I want to try drag. And so we shaved his beard and I got him a little outfit and wig together and Monet painted his face. 
And he was a woman for a full night, heels and all out in the gay bars, living his life. And then he went back um, to being a straight dude with a family and a rap career. And I think that everybody wants to see themselves transformed. Um, cis men, cis women, everything in between, um, uh, the, across the whole spectrum. So yeah, I, I think that drag is alluring. And that's definitely what brought me in is that secret something of wanting to see yourself transformed, be somebody else. What was like the early days of drag? Like after, I mean, did Bob help you? Like, I mean, like, what were those early days? Was it trying to make money for like the subway card? And like, were you good at it in the beginning? Or do you have this huge learning curve? I was trash in the beginning. I had this huge learning curve and I didn't do it for your, the money. At first, I was just going to other drag queens gigs in drag to kind of hang out with other drag queens. And it wasn't until I started seeing really uh, the whole drag scene in New York and touring around with Bob um, and sort of tailing along that I was like, what would I be like on stage? And that's when I started going up on stage and making my own mixes. And that was a huge, the first time I did drag, um, I danced so hard that my dress unzipped and my sock tits fell out and it was a whole mess. And, but you couldn't tell me at the time that I wasn't a fierce queen. You still can't tell me, like the delusion remains. You know what I'm saying? That's good though, right? Mm-hmm. So at what point from doing that early, did you say like, I can make a career of this or this can be something? Like when did that happen? Woof-dee-doo, what was it? I was, it was like 2015 and I had drag gigs every single night and I was making, I think, more money doing drag than I was at my day job as a grant writer. And I was like, mom, I think I'm going to make this leap to my, my biological mother. And she was like, you hate your day job so much. I would rather see you on the street than doing something you didn't want to do. And uh, so I was like, all right, here we go. A full in. It actually, I don't remember if Kate. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority. And I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shapes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. Before we continue this conversation, I just want to say that 2020 has certainly been a year. And at the beginning of quarantine, there was a lot getting in the way of my happiness and achieving my goals. And I turned to BetterHelp, which is online professional counseling. 
And it really helped me not only achieve happiness during this time, but really achieve my goals. Behind the Velvet Rope went from two times a week to four times a week. And I wrote a book, the Behind the Velvet Rope book. So for anyone that feels that things are getting in the way of their happiness and achieving their goals, I strongly recommend BetterHelp. You don't even have to leave your house. It is online professional counseling. And what I love about it is you can start communicating with them within 24 hours of signing up. Anyone that knows me knows that if you don't get back to me, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. These counselors get back to you in a very timely manner, and you're really matched with a counselor that fits your needs. If you get a counselor that you don't like, you can just request another counselor. Everything, of course, is confidential. They deal with a variety of issues, depression, stress, anxiety, sleep. We're all having trouble sleeping during this. Trauma, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, grief, LGBTQIA issues. And I have to say, it is actually more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available for anyone that cannot afford it. So they're growing so rapidly, and so many people are turning to BetterHelp for help that they're looking for additional counselors in all 50 states. Go to betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and you get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people today taking charge of their mental health. You're not alone. If you need help, this is a great solution. Betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and get 10% off your first month. Caitlin, my co-pilot was there. I think she might have been, that she, I might have met her just after that. But I was sitting in a room with Bob the Drag Queen and my biological mother talking about my plan to change uh, my career. And they were both like, go for it. Um, you know, Bob will g- gamble with someone else's career if it's the last thing he does. He's like, go for it, girl. No, Seriously. Like, you have no skin in this game. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, the two people that, that were most invested in my, my drag life, they were like, they were like, go for it. That's amazing. My parents would have said, well, you can shut the fuck up and go back to work tomorrow morning because how are you going to eat? So bravo to your mom and Bob because my parents would have slapped me and said, go back to work now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure my I'm sure my dad would have. Is there like this? So is there this like misconception or pressure or a thing now that drag race is so big of like you kind of have to get on drag race to make it like i'm not saying that's the truth and like is that the truth or is that like the more like the perception well the way i always put it let's say you're in a kindergarten class you have 30 kids there's like it's coloring time you give them crayons and you give them paper and they're all coloring and having a good time then you tell them halfway through the project listen the best drawing in this class that kid gets an extra 30 minutes of recess. It changes the whole vibe. And suddenly all the kids are thinking about what does it mean to be the best little artist and what does it mean uh, to beat everyone else and who's the competition? It, It changes everything. And I think that's sort of what Drag Race did. It sort of made everyone think about who's good and who's not, um, who's winning and who's not. Even if people don't think it's 
you have to be on Drag Race, there's still an elevated level of competition. Now, the good thing about that, I think, is that drag queens finally have a place they can go and be successful. Um, there's not necessarily drag race, but drag queens feel like there can be success in drag. Um, and the negative thing about that is that drag queens feel like they have to have success in order to do drag. And really, it's a lot of fun to do drag just for yourself and for its own sake, um, which is weirdly what COVID has gotten me to do now. Like, here I am. It's one in the afternoon. I'm in full face. And I'm like this a lot just because it makes me happy to do that. And I go out in my mask and do little things. And uh, Caitlin and I film them because um, I love drag for its own sake. And I sort of needed a reminder of that. And do you think you're the exception? Do you think a lot of queens are not in full makeup at 1 p.m. and they're like, it's a, you know, it have, has it turned into like more of a business for a lot of people, you think? Only? I think, it, I think it had turned into a business for me too. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah, I think, I think all, for all of us um, right now, we're all remembering what it's like. So I don't think I'm alone. I think we're all remembering right now. Oh, like, yeah, I do drag for itself and not for the for the money and for the attention but just because it makes me happy I think we're all getting there at this point by the way if corona is listening on the other line don't get it confused bitch you don't have to be around for me to have this happy Christmas feeling about drag you can leave and I'll still remember so don't feel like I need you (laughs) uh seriously yeah like yesterday because I don't watch the news anymore because it's just who wants to watch news but someone said that I guess now in New York there's like as of yesterday a curfew now at 10 o'clock I think that's what someone told me so I guess it went from 11 to 10 which I know doesn't seem major but I guess everything is closing at 10 o'clock now so I mean, it's all that there, there is a second wave that is happening as predicted. And so, you know, the stuff that uh, I've been doing lately, as far as like every time I'm going to do a project, you know, I get tested, wear a mask, everyone wears a mask. You got to be, keep those things to a a limit. Um, And we got to be responsible Um, because if we ever want to have what we had, the, the parties and the shows and all of that we have to be responsible now i know that's hard for as as a new york uh queer i know <laughs> it's hard for us to understand waiting because we're not good at that <laughs> new no Yorkers are not good at that <laughs> and new yorkers especially are not good at that no new yorkers period are not good at that so yeah i'm just trying to train myself to be like be patient seriously um, and your patience will be rewarded so how did you get involved with Drag Race? Like, was it your idea? Was it Bob's idea? Like, who, how did, like, how did you come to apply? Did they contact you? Well, people were like, you should apply for Drag Race. And it was beginning to sink into my head. And I gave it a little whack one time. And I just didn't really know who I was yet. And then I met my co-pilot, Caitlin, And she was like, no, there's something here. Like you could build a brand. And we worked together for like a year to sort of figure out who I was. And it was that combination of the really crass comedy and the really cute lady um, together that made the brand. And uh, 
kind of Caitlin and I, we each represent those parts, but uh, they both live in, in Miss Cracker. Um, and that at that point, we made a Drag Race audition tape together. We had a blast. We did it by ourselves. And that was the audition tape that got me in because I knew who I was. So for everybody that's listening, if you're thinking about auditioning for Drag Race, you have to know who you are first before you make a tape. It's okay to wait. It's okay to not know who you are. And it's okay to give yourself time um, because you are wasting your own time if you don't you know, f- have a feeling, a, a handhold on what your identity is. Um, also, a lot of queens spend thousands of dollars on these tapes where they have uh, videographers shoot all of their stuff, shoot their music video, shoot their runways, shoot all of this stuff at a professional grade. And I can tell you that that does not matter because Caitlin and I made my Drag Race audition tape all on her iPhone with iMovie. And it got me in. Why? Because I knew who I was and relaxing together one-on-one allowed my personality to come through. Would my personality have come through if I had had a whole videographer team and a mega production? I don't know. So simplify, save yourself the money, save yourself the time and, and get yourself a, a one-on-one experience that will get you a good audition tape. That's my speech. I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. You, you think a lot of people- Next time you audition, okay? Seriously, the next time, <laughs> the next time. Well, you're going to have to help me if I audition, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think that's what, I'll, I'll, there's a lot of people that make that mistake that go out and spend the money and have a big old production and think that's going to wow RuPaul and whoever's involved. Yeah. It's like getting someone socks for Christmas and wrapping it in amazing wrapping paper. It's like at the end of the day, it's still socks. So it doesn't matter how you wrap it up. You, the gift that you're trying to give people is you. And forget about the production. Forget about the production. <sighs> Your analogies, I'm like here for them too. It's a very you're good welcome. analogy. She's an explainer. Seriously. <laughs> <A woman> explainer. <laughs> and you applied once before that and you just weren't where you are. You, you just weren't ready. Yeah. I was like, wait, who am I? I thought that I was like, I had this kind of Wednesday Adams aesthetic and so my jokes were crass and I looked crass and it was just all very one note, you know? And then we sort of discovered like, oh, the jokes land a lot funnier if I'm telling all these crass jokes and I look like a little princess, you know, like a little Disney princess. And um, glam and goof, though that battle became my thing, you know? I like it. So were you ecstatic when you got chosen? Yeah, I actually um, left my phone at home, uh, forgot my phone at home. I was like, I I don't really need it for tonight's gig anyway. Who cares? It's not like I'm going to get any calls. And uh, did my little gig and got home and there was one missed call. And it was like, hey, you're on. Uh, drag race, so call us back. Click. I was like, wait, what? 
what? <laughs> First of all, this is the only time I've ever left my phone at home. And second of all, that's it, you know? Oh my God. Um, I was really ecstatic because I felt like uh, all this hard work that I went through with Caitlin to discover who I was, was worth it. I, yeah. I just want to underline that again. Like I went through the work of discovering who I was. I didn't buy better wigs from a hairdresser. I didn't buy better clothes from a designer. I didn't. Um... Does anyone else think buying gifts for the men in your life is difficult and kind of puts it off to the last minute? Well, now there's an easy solution because grooming gift sets from Duke Cannon are available at Target. They're fun, they're useful, and they freaking smell so good. Take Frothy the Beer Man gift set. It's three big-ass bricks of soap that are infused with beer and booze, but they don't smell like beer and booze. They smell like citrus, oak barrel, and sandalwood. It's a great gift for any guy who cleans himself, so it really applies to everyone, whether they bathe frequently or not. Or there's the Beard That Stole Christmas gift set. It's a box set of beard goods, basically beard oils, beard washes. And the best thing is both of these packages that I just described are $20. That's right, $20. The Frothy the Beer Man gift set, you get three huge bars of soap. With the Beard That Stole Christmas gift set, you get two beard oils, and one beard wash. And the thing is, these make great gifts, guys, because the packaging, it's so kitschy. It's fun. The packaging itself is worth the $20. The products are functional. Who isn't going to use beard oil or a beard wash? And who doesn't want a huge block of soap? And they're really great soaps. They smell really good. They're fun gifts, $20. They're kitschy. They're great. The men in your life will love them. If you've waited to the last minute, I mean, how many days do we have left till Christmas Eve and Christmas? Let me tell you, there is a solution. The next time you're in Target, look for Duke Cannon grooming products in the grooming section and pick this up. The Frothy the Beer Man gift set, $20. The Beer That Stole Christmas gift set, $20. Available at Target. And you know what? When you give this as a gift and the men in your life are thanking you, you can come back and thank me buy more expensive makeup. What happened was I discovered me. And I think people are losing sight of that in the drag world. They think that they can buy what it takes, but what it takes is you knowing yourself um, and loving it and embracing it and sitting in it. Um, anybody can buy wigs and clothes, um, you know? I think about uh, a queen like uh, like Naomi Smalls. Like, yeah, she's a, a fabulous looking model, but that's not why um, she makes an impression on people. It's because she has this uh, per unforgettable personality. Like, you won't forget that lady. You know what I mean? And then the clothes and the hair uh, are the icing on the cake, you know? That makes sense. You know, that makes there's, a sense lot of, to me. there's a lot of pretty people in the world, but it's not about that. It's about something else. No. And if you look at like the people that won or did really well, it's kind of, a, it's a good mixture of people that have done well. And the, 
Why? I mean, there's no, there's no shade. I'm just saying it's, it's a wide range of people that have done well on Drag Race in particular. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought. What did you think I was saying? <laughs> I thought you were saying like, yeah, and the winners, you know, and the people that did well are a mix of empty shells and personalities. Like no, now, I no. get what you're saying. Now I, get I what you're just saying. meant yeah, they're yeah. all like not the Naomi Smalls. Yeah, exactly. Genre. No, there's. Yeah, it's all. It's all. Um people that have a strong um, presence and whether that's through their expressed through their fashion or through their makeup or through their humor, um, you know? Yeah. So was drag. Yes. I wasn't being shady or anything like that was, I mean, I wish you were because it would be fun. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, like I, I could be shady, but you know, I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be appropriate. Nice. Very nice. Yes. A nice yenta. Right? Like, I mean, I don't want you to hang up on me or anything. Um, right. I'm like, hello? Was, um, was Drag Race harder or easier or, like, just what you, ex- like, was it what you expected or completely different? Uh, I think it was just as hard um, in a completely different way. Like, I had just come out of the most shocking couple of months of my life my apartment got flooded I lost a bunch of my possessions I had all these terrible experiences that had put me in this mental state of being stressed out of my mind um so I was more ready for drag race because I had more experience but I was also just a wreck of a person so that was my my big struggle was to uh calm down and feel like everything was okay you know and that's kind of what juju did for me on the show is every day i'd be like i think the world is going to end and she was like everything's going to be fine now it turns out that i was right and she was wrong but she made me feel great at the time <laughs> i was gonna say like i'm not so sure how wrong you were <laughs> yeah here we are yeah sitting um, at home in our apartments on a zoom so there you go juju i was right the world Seriously. is <laughs> I'm going to give you that one. I'm going yeah. to give you the point on that one. Sure. But like in a way, like in a way you had to like submerge yourself in it. So it's probably good to like leave all of that behind and whatever drama was going to be waiting for you. I mean, I get it. Like the first week you Absolutely. probably were like, my apartment's falling apart and my life is falling apart. But then probably by like week three, you're like, oh shit, I got some real serious stuff going on here if I want to do yeah. yeah. You have to leave all of that behind and um, deliver. And because uh, in that moment, there's nothing else you can do but be a, a great queen. And honestly, that's a lesson for, for life. You have to learn when to leave things at the door and go forward with your life. And I, I definitely learned that from Drag Race. I definitely learned that from uh, Juju. and. I'm going to carry it with me. How was RuPaul? Like, I know, like, I've talked to, like, a lot of the queens, you know, that were just, I guess, shocked. I don't know if shocked is the right word. You know, like, they just expected to be hanging out with RuPaul while filming. Like, and I know that mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case. So, like, what was your interaction? Like, was there, how was that? Have you seen The Fifth Element? Yes. You know, where, like, the diva Plava Laguna comes into the hotel tell and the like little uh like bellboy is like <gasps> tall and that's that's your that's your impression of rupaul i mean for me i'm like five yeah. five and a half so i'm like well she's tall 
And it's not just about um, her being very tall, but it's about her presence and her personality is so huge. And I would say that you feel when she's looking into your soul and those moments where it looks like she's talking to somebody's soul. I mean, they feel like that when, during the filming. So if that's what you're seeing on the screen, that's what's happening. And I have been to this twice and I still don't know how um, she is able to be so intuitive and speak directly to you like that. You know, she makes, she makes people break down in tears because they're having this connection. Um, so what I would say from having been on Drag Race and having watched other people on Drag Race is that what you see is what happened, you know? And the presence that RuPaul has on the show, she has in person. Is there like jogging, like, you know, let's kiss up to RuPaul or, I mean, cause you know, it's impartial. So I would imagine that would get people nowhere, but is it, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that's how people are in life in general and like a lot of situations. I, I think that any plans or schemes that you have on that you come into drag race with always go out the window because in the real situation, the pressure is just too high. And when RuPaul is standing, like looking at you over like this, you're like, you're whatever little scheme you had, you forget, you know, that makes sense. You're like, damn it. I meant to kiss up to her, you know, right. <laughs> <She's> like, <gasps> and then you were eliminated based on one of the best songs, vanity six. Yes. It's such oh, a yeah. good song. To Cameron. So, I mean, did you, like, did you finish, like, where you thought you would? Like, did you think you would get farther? Were you happy with how you did? I just remember being like, I'm so proud of how far I went. And I remember right before I was limited, sitting in the workroom, I was like, there's so few of us. I can't believe I made it this far. Um, Because it just, you never know how you're going to stack up. And it was an honor to, to, to go that far. And, and then it was like an honor to tour the world. Um, and I, I'm so grateful for every minute that people embraced me. It just, it, it was more, when I got eliminated, I was grateful, but there was more coming. Um, the right. best was yet to come. Um, so I just, I just, I'm so grateful for that whole the season 10 experience, the touring that went with it too, you know? And is that really how life changed? I mean, like, were you changed like as a person? I mean, it was touring. I imagine like a lot of doors opened professionally. Yeah. Like Caitlin and I always dreamed that we would go around the world and try to make the world a better place with uh, drag. And then suddenly we were doing it and you get this feeling like happiness is right around the corner because it's so close. And what you don't realize is that that is happiness, you know, that it's already there. And um, I, I would give that out as a lesson to everybody. If you are feeling really optimistic, like uh, happiness is just around the corner, stop yourself and be like, this is happiness. This feeling of optimism, this feeling that anything is possible, this is happiness. It's not coming. It's not in the future. It's right now. Um, and I guess uh, I definitely learned that through this, this experience, you know. 
And it must have been interesting, like meeting people, you know, all over the world and different oh, types absolutely. of people. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had uh, an entire tour that never touched America. My uh, American Woman tour, uh, ironically, went, went to Australia and New Zealand and uh, the UK and Ireland and Europe and never touched American soil. So, like, all of my touring was learning about different ways of living life. And I'll tell you, the ways of life that include Swedish meatballs are really uh, <laughs> enticing to me. I'm like, I'm gonna move to Sweden. I'm gonna move to the UK. Like there's so many places that I that I saw that I'm like, I want this to be my whole life. So um, if anyone wants to uh, marry a drag queen and bring her to their nation that is not America, um, I'm, I'm, she's available. Well, I think there might be a lot of people that might want to marry a drag queen and bring her to another part of the world. Hello, somebody. I'm accepting proposals right now via Cameo. So, uh, just... You're on Cameo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But wouldn't you... Because, I mean, I, cause I've, I've been to, like, 55 countries. I've been to all seven continents. Like, one, doesn't it always... Wow. Yeah, I've been. She's she's a traveler. Um, Girl, do not stop a Chelsea Gay from getting around the world. You know, I mean, they will do it. Pre-COVID, I had like a very nice thing going on. Yeah, exactly. Same. But doesn't it always come? You know, listen, I love traveling the world, but doesn't it always come back to New York? I mean, for me, it does. Like eventually. Yeah, it always comes back to New York because um, there's something about being able to get Chinese food at four a.m. New York Chinese food at 4 a.m. that you just, it, you can't replace, you can't replace that. We're going to talk about you and food in just one second. Yay! Um, so, right, you did the Haters Roast. You were nominated for People's Choice uh, Competition Contestant. Your one-woman show, It's Time. So you, you, you had, this is all, this all happened right after Drag Race. You yeah. busy. Yeah. And then talk to me about All Stars. How did that come about? Um, I was doing my tour. I was doing American Woman in the UK and uh, my sister came to visit me uh, in the UK. Am I remembering this right? I'm making history. I'm writing history right now. Listen, Um, it sounds right to me. My sister came to visit me in the UK. I was doing some tour and um, she was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh my God, that's huge news. What other news could we get today? This is huge. And we got a call from WOW and they were like, we would like you to do uh, All Stars. And I was like, now who's important, Sylvia? (laughs) Forget your baby, right? Exactly, forget your baby. We're going out to celebrate me. Um, And uh, I just, I always say that, RuPaul is like your bladder when, you, when you're in your 30s. When she calls, you go. Do you know what I mean? You don't wait. You don't have excuses. You just go. So. Well, I was just going to say, uh, that was my question. Like, does anyone say no then to All Stars? Or like, did you have any thoughts of like, I'm touring the world, making good money? Like, no. no. When, when RuPaul calls, you just go. There's something about it. And I had been having thoughts before, and Caitlin, my co-pilot, and I had these 
arguments before. Sometimes I'd be like, I want to do All-Stars right now. I want to do it last season. And sometimes I'd be like, I don't even need All-Stars. I'm touring, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she'd be like, you know, the a lot of queens get their longevity from All-Stars and they have a chance to prove that they've grown and blah, blah, blah. And um, we just go back and forth. But when the call came, I knew. Um, I guess when you know, you know. And then is that call like, see you in three months or is it like, see you tomorrow? See you next um, week, like drop everything. You have three days to get here. I like, I can't give too much away, but I can't say it's like, we'll see you yesterday. You know, that's what I would. You have to love the power of TV, you know? Exactly. Cause you can't be like, no, I'll be there when I feel like it. You know, it's, it's like Viacom. Right. They're like, no, 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 sweetie. Like you need to come now. Yeah. And if you don't, that's okay. We love you. But you see that person to your left, they're going to come instead. They're going to, they're going to come instead. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so you did well, runner up. Yeah. And do you want to just cut Shay Coulee? Do we, do we just want to push her down a flight of stairs or? I, no, because this is what I always say. I can't remember if I've said this in this interview yet, but the, doing the last episodes with Shay and Juju was so much fun. They're such amazing people. And even as a uh, drag queen with an ego, I was just like, you know, whoever wins this thing, I am going to be happy. And that was such a relaxing feeling, if that makes sense. Just to be like, whoever gets this crown, I don't think anyone would have been mad if Juju got the crown. You know what I mean? It's just like, how can you not be happy for this ray of light? You know what I mean? So how is it going to go wrong? Um, so yeah, but I always, used to, I always used to joke when I'd go on tour with Shay, I'd be like, I hate this bitch. When I introduced her on the mic, I'd be like, she has a beautiful drag aesthetic. She has an amazing Instagram. She's always raising the bar for what it means to be a drag queen. And on top of it, she's a nice person. Can we please, you know what I mean? Can we please, isn't that enough? Seriously. You just wish that, you wish that Shay would be a mean person so that you can be like, there, there is the hole in the armor. But no, right. she's, she's great to tour with. She's uh, fun to be with. She's fun to be on the show with. And she's good at her job. Is it like clear, like maybe even the first time you did Drag Race in season 10, like, is it clear, like, do people chatter of like, this person's going to get far? Like, is it clear who's going to kind of get far amongst the contestants or not really? I remember in season 10 when we all entered the workroom and I looked around the circle and I was like, I know exactly who's going home uh, in what order. And uh, I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think it's like, you think that you know, and there's a lot of chatter about it, but there's one thing that Drag Race will do, and that's let you know. Do you know what I mean? Drag Race will set you right. And so, yeah, every drag queen has a secret superpower, and you can't tell from looking at her eyebrows what it is. So you may judge the book by its cover, but you will be surprised by its contents besides like the success and like the crazy power of tv i mean now you get recognized i'm the sure power. You know. well it's true like you know the power of tv right like you're the same drag you know like you're still the same as if you yeah. weren't on drag race but i mean you yeah. know it, but you know that it's the tv is a powerful thing right i mean yeah. well also our 
culture is obsessed with celebrity and this yeah. elevates you to that platform. Yeah. But besides all of that, like how did you change as like a person internally? Like just, you know, your drag, you said like you weren't ready the first time, but like how did like Drag Race and then All Stars change you like as a person? Or did it? I think, I think it has to do a lot of uh, my journey uh, with Caitlyn because, um, you know, if you <laughs> just, to, if you like lean to the side and fart when you're just a New York City queen, like only one person smells it and that's the end of that. Um, but if you lean to the side and fart as a, as a Rue girl, one person smells, they tweet it. And yes. uh, you have to be, you, you are called to task for what you did. And you have to be like, you have to be like, you know what? I'm glad that I farted and that's me. Um, or decide like, I'm not going to fart anymore. Or do you know what I mean? Like you have to make decisions about what you like about yourself and what you don't and what you want to change and what you don't want to change all the time because you're accountable for everything that you do in a different way. I think that, you know, like as much as I hate to admit it, it's really improved who I am as a person because I think about everything I do and I'm much more conscious in what I do. I don't just let stuff tumble out of my mouth anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I think about how it will affect people and I think how it will affect me. And I think about, um, I want to make sure that everything I say reflects who I am. And that's something that I didn't have to do before because ain't nobody was listening. You know what I mean? That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To that point, like, did you ever get like any of like the online hate? Like, did you go through any of that? Like, I, I don't really know. I mean, Girl, like I talked to, a, yeah. If you were on the television and you did not get hate, you were not paying attention because every single one of the girls on the season got hate, death threats, insults in the most extreme ways. And of course, obviously this year we were awakened to the fact that queens of color get it disproportionately. So there's like an inexcusable amount of negativity. We all got it. And it's really, I hope, a breaking point where we think, um, what kind of environment do we want to create around uh, celebrity and around drag race, period? Like, is that how we want things to be? Right. Um, I think about Alexis Mateo and you know what she went through and she posted a picture of herself with some of the words that were slung at her um is that what we want mm. do we want someone like that to be burdened with all of that hate I don't know I don't think so that's not why I got into drag and were you, did you ever go there with the online hate? I mean, I, I've gotten it, you know, when I started this podcast, you know, like, did you, or you just were always good or was it a process for you? Like, did you just block it out or did you go there and then eventually say? Oh, I had to learn. I had to learn. Yeah. Because I would, I, I would mean, look at everything for a while and then I, I, I just get curious. I'd be like, it's a while since I looked. I'm just going to look at it. Yeah. Ah! This is terrible. So it was kind of like a clockwork orange, you know. I was slowly uh, zap prodded into not doing it anymore. Now I don't see it. Um, because when I was doing review with the Jew, I would interview people like Valentina, who is uh, obviously a star and obviously a gorgeous queen. And 
people would be giving her comments like, you ugly, talentless, you know, nobody, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, if Valentina gets it, that means that everybody gets it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. everybody gets. So why, like, why, why would you pay attention to it if it's for everybody? That's a good attitude. Yeah. What about from one podcast host to another? How did your She's a Woman podcast come about? Oh, yeah. So I, I did this show called um, American Woman. And in it, I interviewed women of all kinds about what it's like to be a woman these days, and uh, especially in America. And the interviews were so fascinating. I was like, I want to do this forever. So we decided to make a podcast where I interview amazing women. And uh, I realized that it's a way to give back because 90% in the, of the faces in my audience are women, you know? And I'm like, you guys are paying my bills, so I will pay you some mind to take RuPaul's wisdom. And uh, yeah, it's my way of giving back um, in a small way um, to people who have really lifted me up. You know, I want to do the same. Do you love podcasting? I was terrified about podcasting at first. Really? Because as you, as you know, you have to know about the person that you're talking to in a pretty in-depth way because you don't want to be surprised. Yeah. Um, and so you, there's a lot of preparation. And you also have to get into this mode with the person where you are fully present with them. And you can't be distracted in any way. So it's a skill, you know? <laughs> I say it's the only time that I'm not like checking my phone, you know, like it doesn't right. matter what, you're not going to be on your phone. Well, also yeah. like for me, cause like, I love my vodka, nice martini. So like, same her. thing, like when you say like, you're not sure about like a time frame. I'm the same way. I'm like, did this happen in this order? But like for me, like when I sit with someone on a podcast like this, like I will remember like nine and I'm like, oh, is this how my life would be if I just was present all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. Like, maybe I should actually live my life like this. But I will remember yeah. most of what we say. It's just, yeah. so I like it. But yes, I mean, I found like, if you're not, if you don't know about someone, like you said about preparing, it's not even the other person that gets mad. It's like the audience will crucify you. Because, you know, like people listening, yeah, they'll yeah. be like, how do you not know that? And I'm like, well, you're right. Yeah. That's a pretty basic fact that I missed. So... Yeah. But that's it good. happens, like it happens on on NPR. Sometimes she'll be like, "And you went to Harvard?" And they're like, "Yeah." She, and and you know, uh, the host of Fresh Air will will be like, "Oop," you know, and like uh, you know, it happens. It's it's a human thing. We make mistakes, but it can only happen so much before people start to lose their shit. Exactly, like once or twice. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I think it's a good it's a good format because like you can you know you have uh, some say in what goes out when you're the podcast host. Oh, absolutely. I take out every single one of my ums. Oh, really? Then you're every good. You're good. Cause I don't, I don't. And I get people comments all the time that I say like, and I do, I say like, like, I'm like, can't this just be my thing? Like I'm not taking out all the likes. I don't have the energy or time and no one on my team does either. So right. I deal with it. I leave the likes because fuck all y'all. Do you know what I mean? This is how I talk. I do understand that. That's, I, this is I how just, I talk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. All like, right. Yeah. You're like, yes. Now let's talk about Eater's Guide to the World, which I saw. Woo! Right? Yeah. We got to talk about this. So how did you get involved in that? Hosted by our wonderful Maya Rudolph. By the amazing Maya Rudolph, who said Brilliant. my name out loud, which I was like, what? 
but it, it was just an email from Hulu. They're like, listen, we think we're going to do a show about food. Is there a place that you love? And I was like, absolutely. They're like, we're looking for a place that drag queens might go after a show. I was like, I know exactly where to go. I know exactly where to go. And from there, you know, a bunch of like straight nerds showed up at my studio and they're like, we want to learn about this. I was like, well, let me, let me teach you. Um, and God, it was a blast. And it was a real blast to watch it. And you did it with Jan Jan. I did it with Jan Jan Jan. Uh, and Brenda Darling and Juicy Lou and Izzy Uncut and uh, with Caitlin there as well. I don't think I'm missing anybody. Yeah. Do you, you just, lo- are you like a foodie? I mean, like you got called for this, but like, do you love food? I love food. And starting with I get my it. appearance as a pickle um, on season 10, like people associate me with food and it has strengthened my love of food. I've done stuff with Carla Lolly Music, the uh, chef, the back-to-back chef. Um, and uh, we still are doing tutorials on my Instagram. Um, I just love it. I love food. I love how it makes me feel. I, it's one of those things where it makes people happy and I want to make people happy. So, What are your favorite foods and what foods don't you like? I mean, I know it's so corny for me to say, but I love latkes so much. I'm so looking forward to having them and have really? some this weekend. Oh, they're so good. You have to have them fried and you have to make them fresh. Um, I was going to say, you're such a nice Jewish boy. I don't like latkes, believe it or not, as crazy as that's. I mean, you've had them the wrong way. You've probably had them from a mix and you need them maybe. fresh grated potatoes and fresh grated onions. And then you deep fat fry them and they are like, uh, hash browns with a little kick mm. um so yeah they can be really good they can also be really bad so i i understand if you don't like them i'll i'll convert you what and do, do you eat them with applesauce applesauce and sour cream okay because i'm not glot kosher so i can have the sour cream yeah i'm not i'm not kosher or anything i mean yeah. what are your like what are your favorite places to go in new york for food Love Empanada Mama. I was going to say. Um, Lennox Sapphire, where I get Senegalese food. Um, I love um, just if a, a great place to gather is the Cosmic Diner, um, where you can get a really good veggie burger. Um, yeah, these are places that I go all the time or did when I could leave. And Ponte Bistro, which is uh, French and West African food. Um, it's near where I live. Um, and she expensive, but it's really worth it. It's, it's, uh, the, 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 um, owner, uh, Cisse, he was on Chopped. So he's, uh, wow. sometimes we joke about having been, you know, television, uh, competition kids and like what it's like for us now, you know. But that's the thing about New York too. Like you said, like we can get really any type of food almost at any hour still. Like even right. in the heart of COVID, we were able to. Yep. Yep. So you got it, yeah. but the show on Hulu looked so much fun. Like that has oh to have been. I remembered what it was like to be free. You know, it was so good. I was like pumping my fist. I was like, yeah, like therapy, the bar where it took place doesn't even exist anymore because of I COVID. know. And uh, Jan sport, it doesn't even exist anymore. That's Jan, Jan, Jan now. And uh, um, it's like so much has changed, but what hasn't changed is those friendships. Um, that table right there, those are my girls. And 
they were before Drag Race. Uh, they were before All Stars. They are after. Um, you know, the most important thing about food is to share it with someone you love, and that's what I wanted to do. Do you think, like, to your point, the New York girls, like, do you think the New York and the LA girls have like a leg up on Drag Race, or not really? Do we think we have a, a leg up? I think I think the thing is not the city, but the competition in the city is so yeah. tough that we by the time we've uh by the time we arrive on drag race we have already been competing as hard as we possibly could for years so yeah. we're ready for it in a, in a different way and you said you were shocked that maya rudolph said your name or knew your name like are you yeah. does that listen i feel like does that happen a lot like have you ever had a situation where like certain celebrities know your name and you're just like holy shit because there's a lot of fans of drag race i think that there's like one of my favorite moments was going to the taping of the finale of crazy ex-girlfriend and rachel bloom called me out in the audience and she was like miss cracker is here and i was like rachel bloom i love you so much of like just two jewish ladies connecting um through the power of television uh yeah that was a really good one too do you ever get starstruck? Like, are you the type to get starstruck? Um, sometimes when I run into pheromone. No, I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't get starstruck often. I think I would only get starstruck um, if I ran into Nicole Kidman because she's my idol. Um, I was just going to ask like, who you love. It's Nicole. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. Okay. I've watched all like 72 of her films um, several times. And uh, I'm watching The Undoing right now. Um, so, yeah, the, I think that in that case. But otherwise, you know, I, I shook hands with Meryl Streep and I didn't rapture. I didn't go into the heavens. So I'm like, if I can, if I can survive that and keep my cool, then. That's a pretty good one. Where did you yeah. meet Meryl Streep? Well, this was way before drag. I was completely... Uh, I was earning like $125 a week at a publishing house as an intern. And she had this private concert uh, doing Mother Courage that came up and it was $500. So I just decided to starve and you got to meet her. I decided to starve for a couple of months. I made the money. I paid $500, which was like two times my rent for my tiny little Brooklyn room. And uh, I got to meet her and I got to hear her sing live and she's better live than she is in Mamma Mia. And she is a fucking goddess in person. And uh, yeah. So I That's that. really worth starving for. I mean, oh, seriously. Absolutely. And uh, it helped get credits towards my queer card. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I've stopped to see Meryl Streep. I am definitely uh, a queer, you know? And she was lovely and just wonderful. And Oh, just everything that you'd imagine. Just the hair, the smile, just so gracious. And I know now what it's like to do uh, a meet and greet. And you would never know from looking at her. She's just unflappable and gentle and the the aunt or mom or sister that we all want you know are you ever like shocked during your own meet and greets like you know i'm when fans come up and just know like everything about you like you said yeah. this five years ago you said this like are you just like wow i'm like oh my god thank you because right everything i do i try to do so that it makes people happy like i said and so if someone says i really love this um i just i'm like 
oh, okay, so it is not just going into the void, you know? How did you come up with your name, Ms. Cracker? Um, it is from my favorite snack, Brie on a Cracker. Because um, my, my name, original drag name was Brianna, uh, Brianna Cracker. And uh, then uh, what happened next? Oh, someone else already had the name. I found out. Someone oh, wow. in Salt Lake City. So I was just like, well, I got to shave off part of it. Damn that Salt Lake City. But I know. I don't you think know? it even exists anymore. And I could definitely, you know, take it back. But it all worked out well. My final two questions. Do you, like, what type of TV do you watch? Like you said, you were watching Nicole's show. Like, are you a reality TV person? Like, do you watch Drag Race? Like, what type of TV do you love? Murder. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I like watching, um, like, Cold Case and Forensic Files and... um, Like, the real true life murder. And, yeah, and uh, just, like, murderous affairs and all, all all of that um so believe me i be, i believe i could be an investigator on a case at this point um because i'm like oh i'm an ex i the, the husband did it <laughs> you know what i mean i i have friends that are obsessed and i'm not really into that but every time like i'm at one of their apartments and it's on i'm like it draws you in You're like, oh it does because you just because... can't believe what has really happened and right i mean yeah. first of all I don't know how anybody would, you, you can't get away with anything today. Like the footprint is no. there. Like you could be in the middle of right. nowhere. Like people yeah. just yeah. don't do whatever you're thinking don't. of doing. And so this is really the most important message of the podcast today. Don't kill people. It's just not going to work out. Kind it's of. It's not going like, to work out. <laughs> there's, people are watching right now. People are watching. So what is next for you as we head into 2021? I know you have some live dates coming up, right? Yeah, so I I'm gonna be I'm do, gonna do a tour. Listen to this tour. Okay. I'm gonna do a tour with Thorgy and Rock'em Sakura, and I, I can't imagine what kind of crazy train that's gonna be. That's gonna be a traveling circus. I was gonna um, say that must be so much fun on the road. Oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> and all of us like stone cold sober and just nutty as a fruitcake. So, uh, well. Not Thorgy. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, the She's a Woman Tour is the big thing. Um, right. Go to she'saawomantour.com and get the tickets. We are doing the tour, um, as I always say, when it's safe. Um, but you can buy tickets so that you have them um, in advance for when we announce the American dates. And I'm excited because it's going to be my first uh, USA tour in a minute. Right. So. And the other tour is in the UK, I think I saw. That's right. With Thorgy. Mm-hmm. And she's yeah. a woman tour in the US. People could buy tickets now, but there's no dates, but you'll have a ticket and then yeah, it'll be exactly. worked out. And if you already have a ticket to the tour, um, just hold on to it. It is transferable. Don't worry about it. Um, just she's a woman tour.com. And in the meantime, you have my single with Jujube, um, Eight Days of You, and Get Me the Fuck Out of Here, my uh, solo single. Seriously, I'm going to come see She's a Woman Tour when it comes through the really New York. Good. It's, it's yeah. going to be good. Yeah. So that's amazing. Where can everybody find you online? Find me on Instagram principally, M-I-Z underscore cracker, Ms underscore cracker. Um, and 
yeah, that's where I put my whole life. So sure, go to misscracker.com, go to uh, the same handle on Twitter, but come on, Instagram, that's my television channel. It's all about Instagram. You have a great Instagram. You say that Shay has a great one. You have a great, you have a clean, nice. My Instagram is a mess. I look great yeah. in one picture and then the other picture is kind of diagonal. Yours is very beautiful. It's nicely curated. It's a, com- it's a comedy queen's uh, Instagram. And it's like that, l- that mix of like, yeah, I can be pretty, but hello, somebody. I'm also an idiot. So, you know, you got to show them both. I love it. Everyone needs to go there. Everyone needs to go to the She's a Woman tour. I will DM you. We'll keep in touch. Thank you, you have darling. been a great guest. Thank you so much for taking your time. I know you're busy, even though we're in quarantine. And I will talk to you later. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.